Um, Hello there, everyone. Uh, welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. So on this episode, we have the pleasure of interviewing Patty Ho, who's actually my friend from Vancouver, BC, Canada. She's spoken at uh, some of our traveler events, and we keep in touch uh, through the power of social media. Definitely get inspired by watching each other traveling. Uh, Patty's actually in Iceland right now. She just finished uh, uh, the circle route, um, the ring road, uh, over the last uh, week or so, and she's going to be doing a six-day hike uh, tomorrow. So we have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing her in the midst of her travels. And I, I love interviewing guests like this because uh, the energy is very different than if I interviewed her back when she's back in Vancouver, when it's raining and uh, her energy is a lot different when she's there. So uh, we're going to be asking Patty about herself, how she did her big 18-month trip. Um, that's, um, uh, you know, something she just did a few years ago, travel for 18 months. I repeat, 18 months continuously. And then uh, she got back to Vancouver, got into pro uh, property management, which is a unique area um, uh, of work. And then now she's uh, obviously in Iceland. And she has a great blog, by the way, Nomadic Patty. Uh, so we'll be finding out a lot about her during this interview. So Patty, uh, you know, welcome to the show from over there in Iceland. I'm here in Trinidad, and through the power of technology, we're able to connect. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your background um, uh, in terms of uh, who are you, uh, what brought you to become so passionate about travel? Well, uh, first of all, uh, my background is actually, I'm actually Taiwanese. Like I came to Canada when I was 15, and then I actually stayed in Vancouver for like four years, and then I moved away to Toronto for like 15 years. So, so for 10 years, I was working in, as a web designer for uh, in Toronto. Um, so in 2011, um, I decided to just kind of like quit my full-time job. I had a really good paying job actually. So I had a really good paying job and I had a really um, basically just, I had a lot of like benefits and everything. It's just a very nice stable job, but it wasn't very fulfilling. Uh, I know my, like I have a little better background in traveling because my parents, they travels a lot too. They will take us on the road trips and they actually own the little RV. They go around the whole state themselves and everything. Despite the fact they don't really speak much of English, they still did it. And then for me is I'm more into like international traveling. And so like if you work in a corporation in Canada, you the most you probably get is three weeks vacation instead of actually four weeks or a European has like, 30 days, there's just no, just impossible that you want to see all the places that you wanted to go. So in 2011, I decided to just save up. It took me about two years to save up uh, the funds. And then I just kind of like pack up everything and I quit my job full time and then went around traveling. So I started with a fund, like, I started with a, a saving of total about $40,000 Canadian. And so I started like basically thinking, okay, this is the fund I'm gonna use for one year. This is the fund I, I was thinking, okay, whatever goes out and then now I will just come back to Canada. But this is not just my only fund in my bank because I, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I actually worked and I actually purchased a condo. So, um, I actually had like, I actually had my condo rented out, um, when I was actually away to traveling and I actually got rid of all my things except maybe three boxes of things in my storage. And then the rest is just basically like, I don't have anything else. Then I just pack my bag and, and, and go. So I started in North America. Uh, I started, no, actually I started in South America 
went around South America. I visited uh, basically Peru, Bolivia, uh, Brazil. Uh, Brazil took like three months and everything. And then um, and then I went went up to a uh, to Europe. So I went to visit like Western Europe, um, except Croatia. Croatia was kind of like the Central Europe-ish. And then I hop over to like um, Middle East to Turkey, and then I went to India, and then I went to like uh, Maldives and South Asia, which is like uh, which is Southeast Asia, like Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, and all the places. Um, that took about that that took about eighteen months, because I think by the by the time when I was actually finished one year, and I thought, okay, I still have money to go, so I just kept going, so I just kept going until like. The reason I had to come back is because my passport was ran out of pages. And then I just felt like, okay, yeah, I ran out of pages. And I was thinking, okay, maybe it's time for me to go back because it's been uh, such a long time. So I came back to Toronto and I decided to, okay, I'm not going to stay in Toronto anymore. I actually enjoyed maybe three months of summer in Toronto and I just sold my condo for like, my condo, went, the value went up like 50% more. So I ended up just selling it, and I even getting more, like I have more, more safe, like basically more fun, and then so I just take that money and came to Vancouver. So and right now I'm actually kind of like going around trying different things instead of I like the thing is I don't want to be working as a full time web designer anymore. So I don't, I don't feel like working sitting sitting in front of a computer for nine to five. And so right now I'm actually kind of just kind of do all business sort of different thing, which is I find more interesting. And um, so I, I actually learned how to trade stocks and options. And at the same time, I'm picking up real estate because real estate is a hot industry in Vancouver. So, so that's what I'm doing right now is property management. Uh, you know, you've done a lot of travel, obviously, in your 18 months. Uh, tell us some of the highlights over that 18-month journey. And I, I love the fact that you had more money after one year you could keep traveling. Most of the time, it's the opposite. Uh, people run out of money, and they have to return back quicker. So good on you for budgeting and uh, allocating funds um, uh, smartly, uh, yeah. wisely, so you could keep traveling. So what were some of your highlights over the 18 months? I would have to say, like, all the places I visited, South America is my... It's one of my favorite places because just because the landscape and it's not so expensive. Um, well, except the fact it's like some cities, like for example, Brazil, if you yes. go south of Brazil, it's very expensive. Yes. If you go north of Brazil, it's cheap. So, and then the landscape is just amazing, right? So you can, so it's, it's like, I end, end up just realizing it's like, I shouldn't have stayed long such a long time in south, south Brazil. I should just stay longer in the north Brazil. Yeah, and then, so, and then, um, another place I really like is, of course, Southeast Asia. Food is super cheap. Like, it, the landscape there is also very, very nice. So, like, in Thailand, like, you know, it's like Thailand's like super touristy, but it's like, that's like my favorite place to go because just because it's like, the food is excellent, the place is beautiful. Um, there's so many things you can do over there and stuff like that, right? So, and I, I'm, I'm a, like, the travel had changed me so much because prior to my traveling, I never hiked before. I never took a backpack and go hiking before. And then, like, my photography was really crappy before. And then it's like, like, in the beginning, you will underestimate a lot of things. Like, for example, you'll easily lose your thing because you don't pack your things away at the same place where it was before. Like, 
you end up picking up a lot of habit. Like I end up, I, I wasn't used to be like early riser too. And now I'm an early riser because of the traveling. And then you're like, I used to be a little bit introvert-ish. And now it's a little bit like, I'm more like, I like to talk to people now. A little bit turned into like extrovert. So it's like travel does change you a lot, which is excellent, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I first started traveling, I was actually very introverted too. I got voted more shy in high school and through my travels, through things, things like backpacker hostels, couch surfing, it really opened up me and made me a different person. And uh, that's what travel does. It makes you a better person and a much different person. And I also want to echo your thoughts on South America. I'm, uh, I've been, uh, we've been traveling around South America for the last um, two months, um, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, the Guyanas, we ran into a common friend, Kendrick, over there in And now we're in Trinidad, and we're heading to uh, Colombia, Paraguay, Bolivia. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, mm. I would say Africa and South America are my top two favorites so far. Asia mm. is probably a distant third, and then, um, yeah, then I would say North America. Um, you know, Europe's great, too. Uh, it's very expensive. So, I mean, the, and, the, and the end of the day, it's hard to pick your favorites, right? Yeah, I think it's more like it's not sometimes it's not about like where you travel to, it's more about like the people you meet, the culture, and then yeah. how they actually change you. I think it's like yeah. it slowly over time, it makes you into like a more open minded person, and mm. then you actually kind of accept it's like, like for me, I go to a place, I always want to try what is the thing to what people do here, or like what do they eat over here, what do they drink over here, just kind of like kind of get involved with the culture first because sometimes landscape could be very similar. After you travel 18 months, you start becoming very picky, I'm telling you, because all the landscape sometimes is just like mountains, mountain, rivers, river. <laughs> so you you got to pick your battle and then just kind of like, it, it's just like when you get there, it's more like what is the culture involved and that's what the make it a travel that makes its big differences that is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, uh, I don't really need to see another waterfall, another river, another lake. I mean, obviously, there's, like, the Amazon River, which is incredible. Iguazu Falls, which is just a shocker. And uh, there's uh, churches. I mean, uh, if you've seen one church, you've seen more or less them all, except for something like Sacrada Familia or, you know, some, some kind of, like, one standout. If yeah. it doesn't stand out, I don't need to see it. Yeah. So it's, it's people just go, like, oh, you, you travel so much and you must be, like, you know, you, you must have a lot of money to travel and everything is it's like the whole thing it's like like i said if i can spend forty thousand dollars and that took me over a year and a half and i still have some money left when i when i came back it just means the travel can be cheap it depends on how you travel right mm, and then yes. so and then so it's just more like like when people in a, a lot of time i find people traveling these days they are just such in a hurry they are just kind of like just want to snap pictures and then they don't really actually put thoughts into the place they visit then like, like you, at the end you don't really get much out of it right so so it's it's better like you know sometimes just take your time and kind of indulge where you are pretty much mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Absolutely. I think the longer you travel, the slower you travel because you really realize the importance of uh, saving the food, connecting with the people, understanding the history and the culture. I, I know for me, when I first did my Europe trip uh, back in the day, I did it really quick. I, I, I went through Europe in a, in a jiffy. Uh, but when I did Asia, Africa, South America, I'm doing it much, 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 much slower. Like we're almost spending eight months uh, just in South America because there's so much to see. Um, so tell us about uh, how did you manage to survive 18 months on only 40,000 Canadian, right? 
not in U.S., which is uh, yeah, okay, uh, you yeah, know, just just for the just for the sake of the listeners, yeah. uh, U.S. is maybe just over thirty thousand U.S. roughly, depending on the exchange rate. Um, so, how did you survive for that long uh, on that little funds? Well, the first of all is um, I try to go a cheaper accommodation. So, like, say if I can do hostel, then I do hostel. At the time, Canadian dollar is actually pretty high. When when I went traveling to between 2011, 2013, and then so I just happened to have like really good luck with the Canadian currency, which is actually pretty high up. Um, so I could actually get away with like fifteen dollars a night, or like six dollars a night. I could actually get away with that. Uh, but right now, like, cause our Canadian dollar is really bad, so it's like everything everywhere we travel is going to be expensive. Um, so, but at the same time, I have my rental income. So I have my condos. So I kept it. So I actually rented out. Um, for I think it was twenty five hundred a month at the time, and then deduct all of like maintenance and 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 management and everything, and I still have fifteen hundred for me to keep, which is really nice, right? So, and and then at the time I just go like, first of all I travel cheaply, not like too cheap, like <laughs> there's no certain standard. But at least something is like, if I don't have to spend too much money on accommodation, then I won't, right? So I rarely stay in ho hotel. Like, all I stay is mostly hostel. And especially if you travel by yourself, you kind of like, you need to know people. You kind of have to get to know other travelers, where they go to. Um, and also, I try to meet up with other ho like travelers. We travel together. So we will, we will split, like, say, the, the transportation, the, the food and everything. And that's how you kind of like keep the cost down pretty much. And then in some, if I'm going to first world country, like say Europe or something, I do couch surfing, which is then it's completely free. And then at the same time, you get to meet the locals and, and just kind of share a story and just get to meet what is the people doing over there and stuff like that, yeah. So Patty, uh, now uh, that you're uh, back in Vancouver, Tell us about uh, what made you switch um, uh, from your previous career into things like um, stock trading, day trading, and doing property management, because that's a very radical shift. Tell us about that uh, transition. Yeah, well, first of all, like um, for the stocks and options, like like actually my father, he's been doing that since he was like, I don't know, in his 30s or something. So he pre he pretty much is like, he, 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 he does all his investment with stocks. Right, so, and then also real estate. So it's just basically, for him, it's like very familiar, and then he just kind of taught me a little bit. I actually took school to actually learn it as well, and then, um, but of course, in the beginning years, it, it's like, it takes some time to, to kind of like feel out what actually works in the stock market and also options, and then I realized it's actually, it doesn't, like unless you have a, like huge amount of capital, otherwise it just doesn't work as well. You just kind of like you have some small income here and there, but um, like for me, it's like for me to build up to like the fact it's I'm gonna have the steady income of like you know a couple thousand a month. It's gonna take a while unless I have a pretty big capital to for me to do that because I'm I shouldn't risk more than what I have, right? Um, and then so I got into property management is because I'm actually into real estate because. My family is, everybody's in real estate. And how I make my money, like my condo back in Toronto, it's also like real estate, right? So 
And then the in, the one industry that in Vancouver actually stands out, it's also in real estate because the money's there. So you kind of have to pick up, I just pick up the the whatever the hardest like what what the what the industry would will make me money in Vancouver, then I'll pick it up because I try to do web design in, in, in Vancouver. Like people don't pay don't pay very much and they don't really respect the designer very much. So I just feel like there's it's not a right choices for me to stay in the web design industry. So I just decided to move away and go into real estate. So tell us more about property management. Uh, what what kind of properties are you managing? How many? Uh, how is it if you're working remotely, like for example in Ireland, how are you still managing the property back in Vancouver? Do you have like an assistant, etc.? Tell us a little bit more about the logistics of uh, property management. Uh, for us, it's like I'm actually hang. I actually have my license hang under a brokerage. So the brokerage is actually before prior previously I had to be in the office full time, and now I decided not to because I just said like I'd rather be a leasing agent, which means I take commission every time I lease out units and stuff like that, right? And otherwise, in the offices, my brokerage they run in a way it could be done remotely, but in some way you also have to have somebody in the office to deal with some maintenance work. Uh, my manager, he actually hires a virtual assistant. The, everybody's from the Philippines. And then, so everybody's actually uh, taking the calls. they actually managing all these uh, uh, emails and queries and stuff like that. So our offices, we have like maybe three like virtual assistants. And then the actual property manager to actually go into do routine inspections and everything, there's probably three of us as well. So it's... It can be done remotely, but in some thing is like for me now, like as long as I travel like within the month, but not in the beginning of the month or the end of the month, then I'm okay. <laughs> sounds good, sounds good. So uh, now you're actually in Iceland of all places. I think that's one of our dreams. One of my personal dreams is to go to, to Iceland. And uh, I think a lot of people are talking about Iceland more. Uh, I think 10 years ago, no Indian uh, talked about Iceland as a tourist destination. They're obviously doing a lot of good marketing uh, because now uh, a lot of travelers are thinking that's a hot place to visit. Uh, so what made you uh, want to visit? Well, first of all, like, I wanted to visit because you see, then again, you see the, all the videos, you see all the promotion online and everything, how like a beautiful landscape is. But I had a concern about like, if, you, if I'm traveling by myself over here, it's going to be so expensive. So I didn't really, I kind of like put it off like for a while until like my friends from Toronto and go like, hey, we're going on like a, a trip to Iceland, would you join us? So after all the calculation, I said, okay, we have three people, we can rent a car, go around the whole, whole country. And then the, the next six days we can do the hike, which is, can be done cheaply. So I just said, okay, let's go. So we, we spend seven days going around the entire country. It's just the whole, road trip like i had never seen a country has everything you 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 got the sea you got a beautiful magnificent, magnificent uh mountains you got glaciers you got like uh uh volcanoes you got like uh uh what is it lavas and everything so in seven days you have like all kinds of different like landscape you can see which is like unbelievable the only problem is like it is an expensive country because we just calculated all the costs that we did, including uh, the hostel, the guest houses, the car rental, 
the like the ticket to go to Blue Lagoon. The Blue Lagoon is so expensive. The Blue Lagoon is about ninety dollar Canadian to get in. Okay, and then that was like the basic, basic uh, like entry or something. And then uh, with the food and and gas and everything, it worked out to be two hundred dollars a day for us, each person. This this so, is staying in hostels. It's not staying in luxury hotels. This is hostel. No. Yeah, hostels and guest houses, and it's two hundred uh, Canadian per day, so one hundred fifty plus US per day. Yeah, so that's that's about yeah, that's about one hundred and fifty dollars US. Um, that's including, like I said, if you do everything I just said with like all the you know the entries and and if you cook out, we cook all our food, except maybe once or twice we actually go out and try the maybe the, maybe the their like fish soup of the day or like um, their pastry and stuff like that, but. It wasn't anything major, but it would just, it is expensive, but we could have done even more cheaply, but we just had a concern about like the next six days, we're going to be tenting. We don't want to be tenting again for like you know, this whole seven days traveling around the thing. Cause you could be, you could be tenting the whole thing, but the problem is the weather it's cold. So even right now it's summertime, it's like outside it's only 11 degrees. So so we just didn't know. It's like we didn't think it's like it's a good idea just to do seven days of tenting, another six days of hiking and tenting. It just, yeah. So uh, tell us more about the specific sightseeing attractions in Iceland. Um, you mentioned things like on social media. You see a lot of them, like the Blue Lagoon, the Ring Road. Uh, so what are the top uh, few uh, sightseeing attractions you saw in the last uh, week of travel? Uh, first of all, people come here. They, they try the Blue Lagoon. I would say Blue Lagoon is more like it's it's like one thing like one thing you only did it once and you'll never go back again because first of all it's too expensive it's super touristy um, like you go in the pool there's like a million people next around you uh, so I would just do it once but I would never do it again um, there's another another famous one a famous one is like it's called the Golden Circle so people go visit the the waterfall the the geysers and like the several other waterfall as well, but we personally think it was extremely touristy. But if you have some time, you should go towards the south, go around the south all the way to the east, and then that's like if you that if you only have like you know two three days, do the south coast do the south coast because you will get to see a better uh, waterfall and you get to see the glacier, you get to see like almost everything that you need to see for landscape. Even for the driving, it was like the most beautiful segment for us. And uh, tomorrow, uh, you know, we caught you at a great time because tomorrow you're going to be trekking and you'll be off the grid uh, without internet, uh, tenting, etc. So tell us about the trek. Um, what trek are you doing? Tell us about the logistics and uh, what are you going to be seeing on this trek? So the trek I'm doing is called Lenda Manakar uh, Trek um, and then all the way to Skoka. Um, I believe it's something about 70 something kilometers um, and we decided to just it's it's probably one of the most famous track in in Iceland um, it's gonna take us about six days and we are trying to hike maybe about on average about 10 to 12 kilometers a day um, and then it's a trek you're gonna be able to see like the the mountains with the colorful like the the colorful mountains and everything and then waterfalls and then go to the like um, natural hot springs and everything so it was something like okay we've done the car side of it so we want to do the actual 
like hiking, just to actually feel the nature and everything. Except we're just concerned about is how cold it is, and it's going to be windy, it's going to be rainy, and it's going to be cold. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned a few different ways of seeing Iceland. I mean, obviously, you can trek like you're doing. Uh, you can uh, rent your car like you've done. Uh, what are some of the other ways that people can actually see Iceland? Some people, they actually decide if they don't want to spend the money to go rent the car, they could actually do, there's bus. You can actually take bus to go, like hop on, hop off the bus and then go around the whole island. So there's people been doing that. And also the cheapest way is actually tent, tenting. If you can bear the cold and you have a bit of time and everything, then you should, you should consider maybe tenting and then take the bus, go around the whole island. There is a hop on, hop off. Both bus will take you around the whole island. Um, but then again, it's nothing comes like cheap. It's, it's, it's expensive. In, if you visited like, you know, if you visited like, you know, cheaper country and you try to come here and it's just, it, you can't get away thinking like, it, it's gonna be, like if you go, like there's nothing cheap here pretty much. We, we have tried to go like, okay, we should, maybe we should go out and, and, and eat out a little bit more to try the different food. But every time we go out, we kind of back away because every single meal is about like 27 US dollars to 30 US dollars per meal for the main meal. And then for like, for example, for a cup of latte, the small cup of latte, it will cost you about five to six US dollars. And sometimes it's not even good. So it will just like, uh, it was a little bit overkill for us. We just go like, okay, we kind of back away, just kind of try to cool our own and everything. And thank God they have this, uh, the, there's this supermarket called Bonus, which is super cheap and it will be acceptable. And also at the same time, the hostel we're staying, a lot of places, they have this bin, it's all free food. So people just like left their food they cannot take with them and then you can just kind of dock them out and use them which is freaking, it's pretty awesome because I came in the first day from like Icelandic air, the Icelandic air flight that does not even give you any food, which you have to pay like, uh, like, I don't know, $15 for a meal, which is ridiculous. I came out from the airport and I was like so freaking hungry. I got on the hostel and it was like, I don't know, it's like 6 a.m. in the morning. I'm gonna get my food because I'm, I'm starving. And I went to the, I saw the free food pile, somebody left, a box of egg, and then like, like a like an a packaging instant noodle, and I was like, okay, thank God, that's my breakfast right there. So every day, like, there's always some somebody actually leaving different things, so we just kind of take them out and just take it with us to to the trip. And then when we come back, when we cannot go, they take it with us. Then we just leave it back to that free food bin and stuff like that. Sounds good. Uh, you know, I wish you well on the track. Uh, we didn't really cover your blog. Uh, you do have a blog called uh, Nomadic Patty, uh, uh, kind of like a play on words of Nomadic Matt, uh, one of the original travel bloggers. Uh, tell us about Nomadic Patty and uh, what you write about on there, what are the topics you cover, etc. Well, first of all, my blog was kind of like, I just didn't have any thoughts into my name, so I just go like, okay, I didn't know what to call with my blog, and I just go like, I'm pretty nomadic. I know it's like there's nomadic mad, but I'm pretty sure there's something, someone else is a little nomadic, so I don't care. So I just put in nomadic patty, and then um, nomadicpatty.com, by the way. Um, so what I blog about there is like I have a whole section on um, how to travel around the world. So I actually have like a whole page articles on like, 
the budgeting and also the uh, how to what to prep, what gear you should bring, and, and stuff like that. So all the experience that I had learned from my trip, I actually put it all on a page there for the people. Um, I also have a section on like um, like what kind of jobs you can do while you're traveling. So some there's a list of them. So like people can just go like if you decided to. Um, you don't have enough fun, and maybe you can pick up some part-time job here and there. But and I have a re a page of resources of, of like what kind of job you can do when you're traveling. Um, on the side, like I don't really blog that much because I'm kind of like drift away from like blogging that much. But I just kind of like put it on sometimes once in a while. So if I do some sort of longer trip, which is like uh, right now, if I'm doing Iceland trip, I'm probably gonna put on the blog of what I did on a around the Ring Road and and then the expenses and the people can get an idea how much they should they would have to budget to come to Iceland and and stuff like that. And then otherwise, it's like I'm pretty active on my Instagram, which is under the handle name Nomadic Nomadic Patty Hole. So um, you can find me there on Instagram. So you will see the the re the most recent posts I have on the pictures and then also I have a Facebook page as well awesome uh, so uh, where is the future taking you if you want to pull out your little crystal ball uh, over in Iceland uh, where do you see yourself going in terms of travel work and the future well for the for work um, I'm actually gonna go into more like a realtor route so I'm actually gonna take a uh, license to become a realtor because you you actually make more commission there than rental property management, um, and then for my travel, I actually have my trip to go to China booked for November. So I'm gonna be this. I know it sounds funny because I've never been to China, so I'm gonna be in China for like a, a month. Awesome, awesome, and uh, I have to ask you this question. I know there's a little bit of controversy between Taiwan and China. China claims Taiwan, Taiwan claims independence. So you are Taiwanese, tell us where you stand and where do you think the situation is going to uh, go politically with Taiwan and China? Right now, I don't even know how to like give any opinion on this because I've been moving away from Taiwan for such a long time now. Like I came to Canada for, like 20 years ago, so but I would have to say, like, there's a lot of things are merging together. Like, for example, before, everything used to be made in Taiwan. And now everything's made in China, right? So you know why? Because all the people from Taiwan who, who has the, like, they have the corporations and they have the factory, they all move to China because it's cheaper labor. So economically, they are somehow, like, very strongly linked. You know, it's a very gray zone about, like, you know, politically who is who should be belong to who and everything because it's not something I could give any like opinion about because sometimes you just look at those news and then you just like you just shake your head and because you know they both of the, the, the country are like somehow have some sort of connection underneath that you don't even know right yeah yeah, no, thanks for sharing. I know it's a touchy subject, and uh, I know there's a UN list, for example, the 193 countries, and a lot of people know it's 196, including Taiwan and Kosovo, uh, et cetera. So uh, I know it's a, it's a controversial topic, so thanks for sharing. Uh, so, Patty, if people wanted to find out more, maybe pick your brain about 18-month travel or year-long travel, if people wanted to uh, connect with you on social media, et cetera, how can they find you? Um, they could basically e either send me an email or they can find me on Facebook and send me an email direct, uh, message directly. Um, my email uh, is askme, 
A-S-K-M-E at nomadicpatty.com. Or you can just go on to my Facebook, which is like slash nomadicpatty, pretty much. Let me check again. Yes. So it's basically my Facebook page is like nomadicpatty, and then you can just message me there as well. Awesome. So make sure you check out Nomadic Patty, her website. She has a wealth of info about traveling long term. Uh, you know, enjoy your trip in Iceland there. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us, the, daddy, uh, the Digital Nomad Mastery listeners and viewers. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Digital Nomad Mastery. Leave us a rating and review. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe as well. And check out our website, digitalnomadmastery.com. We'll see you in the next episode. And happy traveling, everyone. Bye.